Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. We are on week five, and this week I am very personally touched by our topic because uh, this week's episode is titled PR More Than Spin. So we're going to be digging into the world of public... Wow, already early in the episode with my words. This week, we're going to be digging into the world of public relations and kind of what good is happening in that area because I think so often it is something that we only think of the bad and we think about how people maybe can use this as a tool for manipulation. But having worked in this industry for several years, I'm really excited about all the good things that so many people are doing, which is why I'm very excited to introduce our guest this week. So today's guest is the founder of Meet Cute PR, a boutique PR agency based in Los Angeles, California. Relationally driven in just about every aspect of her life, she has spent more than 10 years developing relationships within media to help elevate brand visibility and persona. And outside of her nine to five, our guest enjoys spending time with her husband, David, and their dog, my very favorite bestest boy, Wally. So everyone, please welcome Emily Getke. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Hello, Emily. How are you? I'm good. It's good to chat with you. I'm so excited to chat with you too. I haven't seen you in several months, as is true for most people at this time. Yeah, um, I know. Had you for dinner, like kind of, I don't know, it was early on in the pandemic, late? I have no idea anymore. I don't even know either. I feel like it was later in it. And I just remember staying six feet apart and yeah, how well, much of an adventure. Our plan was that we were going to have you in our backyard, and then it was really cold. Yeah. And, and so I was like, I don't, we'll just stay six feet apart. We haven't seen anyone for weeks. We'll be okay. It was yeah. fine, but It was. We were safe, and it was great to see you, but that was like months ago. And also, yeah. um, I was so happy when I read uh, read your bio, and there was a little plug for Wally at the end because I miss Wally so much and seeing him literally every day before the pandemic, and my life is much sadder without a dog. So, I mean, Wally brings everyone a little bit of joy. He's asleep on the couch right now, and fortunately, the mailman has already come, so... <laughs> I don't think we'll be having any barking in the background, hopefully. <laughs> you know what? It happens just about yeah. every single week. My cat decides she's going to knock something over during an episode, and I get to edit that out. So if it happens, it happens. Um, tell everyone what your cat's name is, and that's definitely named after me. Yes, I have a cat named Emily, whose name was decided before I got the cat because I adopted it from a friend of mine's parents and so I already knew what name we were giving her but it was pretty shortly after I met you Emily it I was mean, just going to say we <laughs> met and then a week later you got a cat and named her Emily it was about a week later but I will hold steady to the fact that it was not named after you but <laughs> if she was named after you it would be a, a compliment I guess <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, okay. So every week we start with a little segment that we call the News Inspired. And so every week we go through three headlines from the past couple of weeks um, that are just some good news because anytime that we can share a little bit of good news, we're not going to pass up that opportunity. So 
I would love to share three headlines with you, Emily. And the first one, my personal favorite, is that the IRS has pushed the tax deadline to mid-May. And I did already file this year for the first time ever. I got ahead of it, but normal Jace would be very excited about this. Um, I think they announced this on Tuesday, which was very ironic because we finished our taxes on Monday. Oh, of course. <laughs> but yeah we we were ahead of the game yeah but something that i was curious about of them pushing it because last year it made sense to push it because it happened like mid-tax season with covid so appointments were canceled and all that but at this point i'm like we've been doing this for a year you've had time to plan but i did talk to my tax guy and something that did make sense of why they're pushing it is because they changed the tax law this year midway through tax season. So basically people who already had their taxes done had to re go back and do it again because the tax law changed. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that does make sense. That's just so complicated. I could never be an accountant. Oh yeah. There's a reason I'm a publicist and not an accountant. (laughs) Math. Yes. (laughs) Our second headline, which I thought was very um, refreshing compared to some of the other things you've been hearing. But this year's slate of Oscar nominees is actually being hailed as very progressive, diverse, and inclusive. And I just love to see uh, that in a time when there is so much division um, and separation that we do have in the entertainment industry this big push for inclusivity. I love that. I actually didn't know that. So that that is great to hear. Very excited about it. There was a lot of um, racial diversity in some of the actors. I know there was also a big push in the the director nominees. That it's like an outstanding year for women. So it's just been like overall a really good um, a slate of nominees. Awesome. I wonder how much of that is in pushback to what's happening with the Golden Globes. Yeah. Well, I kind of wondered about that too. But I think giving giving the Academy credit where credit is due, didn't the nominees come out like the day after the Golden Globes? Oh, that's probably true. So there wasn't the forethought to, but also, wait, the day after the nominations, the day after the... I think it was like the day after the ceremony. Because what I'm thinking is like, it doesn't even matter really who won the Golden Globe, but just their nomination list was like, are you kidding me? Like, who? Um, so I wonder if some of it was in like response to that of just having to be really intentional and with good reason. Well, I'm glad then that the Academy at least is making some progress. So I agree. Very good news. Um, our third headline is one that I know you are very excited about. Disneyland is going to be reopening in late April. Uh, yes. I am so excited about this. You know this, Jace, but my husband is a Walt Disney Imagineer. And during COVID, he actually finished working on Marvel's Avengers Campus. And so on a personal note, I am so excited to be able to finally see what he's been working on for the past three years. I know your husband has been working on that for a very long time. And (laughs) we, we were there Oh gosh, it was like two and a half years ago now, maybe two years ago. But we like, I remember seeing it and thinking about it and how long it's been. 
um, with the Avengers project and just, uh, yeah. I don't, they canceled the pass holders program. So I don't have a pass anymore, but I'm going to get well, it and see it. They like reformatted the pro pass holders program. Basically a new, I, from what I know, this is not official Disney Intel at all, <laughs> but I think they, there'll be a new pass, right. but I think it became too complicated with COVID to like, kind of reissue all those missed time and the so many people wanted refunds anyways yeah. so they to like refund everyone and the demand is so high right now to go to the disney park oh, yeah that they i you know obviously someone will pay for a ticket to go and they have to kind of make up for the losses of the past year definitely it makes sense but i do understand and you know what if that's what disneyland has to do in order to stay open and, and still be here in 10 years, totally down for it. I'll see it when I see it, you know? Perfect. Thank you for being understanding <laughs> <the> company. <laughs> um, so this has been the News Inspired, and I hope that these are just the first of many headlines that bring a little smile to our faces in the next couple of weeks. And now we get to move into the main portion of today's episode, which is talking about PR more than spin. And Emily, you have quite a history in public relations. Um, as we already mentioned, you own and run your own agency now, which is extra exciting for me. I, again, haven't actually, well, I guess I did see you since it started, but I haven't got to, I don't know, I feel like I haven't got to talk to you a lot about what you're doing in your agency. Yeah. Um, but I would love to start if you could just like kind of tell everyone like what is public public relations? Wow, today's words. What <laughs> is public relations? What do you do? Um, kind of build that foundation. Yeah. So public relations is basically the liaison and the bridge between a brand or a person and the media. So as a publicist, you are managing public persona as well as creating um, exposure and brand awareness for someone. So that could be a celebrity hires a publicist to create visibility for them and to kind of manage their image. Or it could be a brand hires a publicist um, to do the same thing, but generally you kind of do one or the other. You either do people or you do um, a brand. Sometimes publicists will do a brand and then also focus on kind of the, the owner or founder yeah. or whoever it is within that. But it's kind of two different ways of doing PR. Definitely two different worlds. And I think so often people think of like publicity as well obviously people think of celebrities but I think a lot of times they also think about like government like communications or like big business PR but it's definitely not just that like we both work in like the lifestyle space so working with like you know um beauty brands and fashion brands and like you said like sometimes like people like I know we've worked with like celebrity trainers before and things like that um so it, it's not just like big business, right? Yeah. Well, and I would say in the past, well, for, I would say I've actually said like my problem in most of my career, my clients have always been a variety of both, you know, huge businesses that are valued at, you know, 30 million, hundred million dollars. Right. And then also 
more small businesses that are kind of just getting going. So mm-hmm. brands that have been started by one person and have three employees currently. And this is, you know, hiring a publicist is almost having an extension of their team mm-hmm. at a much lower price than having someone work for them full time in their office. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So while we're laying this foundation of what PR is, I feel like this is a good time for our lightning round. So every week now, we're doing a lightning round where um, I'm gonna throw some different terms at you. And if you can just give like a one sentence or even if you just wanna do a couple words description of what you think uh, those words are or what they do, um, and and that'll kind of lay the foundation for our listeners on on what we're talking about today. Okay, I'm a little nervous. I'm like, should I have Google ready? Like, oh, don't be nervous. You'll know all of these. Don't worry. Great. Uh, <laughs> so our first word is pitch. What is a pitch? It's exactly what it sounds like. Which maybe that's not obvious. Um, <laughs> it is creating a summary or story about an idea that you think should come to fruition. So in the PR like space would be sending to editors or producers ideas that involve your clients that they should do. Perfect. What about an influencer? What's that? An influencer. What is an influencer? Does anyone know? Uh, <laughs> Not me. Not my job. I mean, nope. truly. <laughs> um, an influencer is anyone who has a platform. So I would argue actually that anyone listening to this podcast is an influencer. You have a small platform of people who look to you for um, guidance if you have any following at all. So, uh, you know, you might have a hundred followers, but if you are posting about, you know, this dish soap, I don't know, that you really love, <laughs> that might influence your grandma to buy that same dish soap. Um, what about coverage? Coverage is anytime a brand or a person appears in a publication. So coverage would be if someone was in People Magazine, they received coverage in People Magazine. They were covered by People. What's a desk side? I was just explaining this to a client today. (laughs) Um, A desk side is a meeting that is typically done with an editor or a producer at their desk. So it's very uh, true to the name of it. It's just (laughs) introducing a product um, or a figurehead from a brand to the media in person. Next word, list. Um, a pitch list. So you can do a pitch list or I call them sometimes the media list of just everyone that you're going to for pitching a story to. And our last uh, term here is spin. Spin. Spin is sometimes people refer to publicists as spin doctors. Mm -hmm. So basically this applies to not just PR, but life. Anytime that you tell a story, there's two ways to tell it. There's a way to tell it that sounds terrible, or there's a way to kind of spin the story and kind of show it in a more positive light. So when you are dealing with some sort of storytelling, you're wanting to spin the story to be uh, positive. Yeah. 
And that is such a perfect um, definition to take us kind of into why we're talking about public relations on a podcast about inspiration, because I think so many people are true, like, even if you don't know that you're consuming what a publicist is putting out there, um, so much of, of the content in this world and so much of what you read and hear is uh, started by mm -hmm. a publicist. And I think so, so much of that gets a bad light. And so that's why we're talking about PR today is because there is a lot of um, inspiring work happening, a lot of good work that publicists can do. But I kind of wanted to talk through what is some of the bad and then what is some of the good so that we can see kind of both sides of it. So keeping spin in mind, why do you think that so many people have a bad perception of PR in general? So I would take it wider to be about the media in general. I think yeah. more so in the past year than any time I can remember. Mm -hmm. People are so jaded by the media and mm. myself included mm. um and then i think you have to start dissecting well what is the media is the media just you know fox news cnn cnbc these you know top news outlets or is media any sort of social media so if you know you post something on your facebook you are now a participant of the media mm. and it feels like there's this great distrust right now, the media that comes from this idea that there are these people behind the scenes spinning the story. Um, right. And to a degree, I would say, yes, that is happening. And I think within that is why it is incredibly important to do your research and figure out what is credible news, um, what is unbiased news, and what is unbiased media. Do the media have stake with their advertisers where they are giving a biased opinion based on advertisers? And that goes from, you know, really big picture with mainstream news, or that could be as much targeted as a beauty magazine and you don't realize that the reason that they are including a big box name brand in every magazine that they have as a brand they suggest for you know whatever it is whether it's you know the best lip gloss or their best mm -hmm. foundation is because that brand is an advertiser and so yeah. they are trying to appease their advertiser and give them a certain amount of regular editorial love as a thank you yeah it definitely is something where i feel like how to read this so i feel like the the media kind of feeds information to the public and mm -hmm. as a publicist your job then is kind of to feed information to the media but like you said it gets so jaded sometimes by money and advertising dollars and that's even now kind of bleeding into pr and mm -hmm. advertorials and and things where content has to be sponsored so do you think that the, the pr industry as a whole do you think um that they help to make the media more transparent or that they 
make it maybe a little bit more clouded? Um, so the bulk of the PR that I have done has been straight pitching without any money trading hands. So all of the placements I am getting with the media in a magazine or online are organic placements, meaning that we, the editor genuinely loves the product and is posting it because for that reason. Where that gets a little bit more murky in more recent years is the uh, popularization of affiliate links. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly things that I'm not paying for as far as a press placement, they now have the ability to make money off of. Right. So there's just a whole game there. <laughs> um, so I think if you as a publicist are only working with uh, brands with integrity and brands with products that create dignity in the ways that they are created, um, then you're probably helping the media and the way that things are done. But if you are promoting products that are made, you know, in factories using child labor and, you know, Um, not giving people a fair wage, then you aren't helping. You're actually really harming people by supporting um, slavery. Yeah, no, it definitely can be such a, um, yeah, it can, it can be such a tool for like good and bad. So going back to you, what inspired you to get into this industry? <laughs> I didn't know it existed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I honestly had no idea what a publicist was um, at all. <laughs> but I had moved to LA kind of on a whim. Um, I was actually had plans to move to England temporarily to like a Bible college thing. And then mm-hmm. that ended up not happening. And so I was just kind of in LA on a whim, figuring things out. And one thing led to another that led to fashion school and mm-hmm. thought I was going to be doing wardrobe for TV and film. And during that time, I went to a wedding and happened to meet someone there and mentioned that I went to fashion school. And they asked me if I'd be interested in working with their daughter who was the West Coast PR director for Dolce & Gabbana. Yeah. And I didn't know what PR was, frankly, but if you work in fashion and want to do anything related to fashion, that's a great name to have on your resume. Oh, yeah. So I was like, if they want me to clean their toilets, I'll say yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I started with them Academy Awards Week and was just kind of thrown into it. And it was... Um, a job that I never knew existed, but kind of perfectly tied together what I was naturally good at. I'm a natural writer. I have always loved fashion. At that point, I was very fashion focused in the brands I was representing. Um, But more than anything, it was a people job. And Mm -hmm. it was a way that I could be around people. And um, at that point, I was working in a showroom. And so I had people coming in and visiting me all the time and still people who I'm friends with and have continued relationships with are people who I met doing showroom appointments with early on in my career. Yeah. 
No, it 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 is such like a people related thing, and I feel like that's kind of what you hear a lot of people say when they talk about why they got into PR is either they wanted to write um, or they wanted to work with people. And I know that was for me, like I wanted to help communicate things to people and, and share, um, share my, not my experiences, but share the knowledge that I had like with people to help them to become, you know, just more educated about any, any, I definitely didn't think I was going to work in fashion PR, <laughs> um, but anything that I was working in and, um, you know, in full well, transparency. Think, Go ahead. Well, yeah, I think along the way too, for me realizing that I have always really loved the entertainment industry. And with PR, this was kind of a way to be involved in the entertainment industry yeah. while also having the voice of some pretty powerful people. What we were talking about earlier of like you have some clout in kind of nudging what people are talking about um you are setting trends and so i mean early on in my career signed on some friends who had a brand called 31 bits and was able to get them some huge national exposure Mm -hmm. that might not have happened otherwise um and they you know had celebrities wearing them and were in all these magazines they had like a segment on um, access Hollywood, like, mm-hmm. and they at the same time, whereas a brand that I really believed in that was working with uh, women in Northern Uganda. So yeah, having this realization that you just have the ear of really powerful people that like, I forget sometimes the people who I'm in proximity to that, like, they're really important. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. And you do carry, you said like the voice of either a a big company or, you know, someone maybe who has some celebrity to them. And I don't think a lot of people realize maybe that so much of what they consume as media um, is influenced by those, those people and their publicists, whether you're reading like a story about the 50 skincare products that you need for like glowing skin or, um, you know, some business feature on the local news, like all of that is kind of orchestrated by these publicists who carry this voice. So how does it feel to you to know that you are influencing media and culture? Um, I think there is responsibility that comes with it. I also am really mindful of I will not sign on brands under my roster um, who I don't want to see become really popular Um, because if I don't like the person personally, (laughs) if they're just kind of a jerk, then I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I I don't want to be a part of kind of propelling that culture. Um, Or if their product is not a good product, like I'm not here to like put fluff out into the world. Right. No, that definitely makes sense. It It is something where you have to be intentional, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually just started a little, not, I don't know if you call it a series, but kind of <laughs> a series on my personal Instagram of posting products from current and former clients that are products that I genuinely love. And I've yeah. been calling it, um, oh my gosh, worthy of the buzz. 
because for yes. my whole career, I have been creating buzz for products. And up until recently, I wasn't responsible for the brands I was doing PR for. So someone else right. was signing those brands and then telling me, get them PR. And so sometimes I would get brands that I loved and really believed in their products. And then sometimes I got brands that was like, this is stupid. This is stupid. Yes. <laughs> and nobody cares. Yep. Uh, I definitely know that. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, you know, along the way, there are some brands that I've worked with who I continue to use them every day. And I, you know, if they're not my client anymore, I'm now a customer and just buy it because yeah. it's, really worthy of the the buzz that I built for it. Um, and that's something I'm proud of too, that like, you know, some of these brands that are around, like I know that I played a big piece in their success. Yes. No, I love that series that you started. I saw one of the clients that you and I worked on together on your page the other day. And I was just so excited because it really was one of the the brands where you like this needs to be talked about. It was a brand that was um, without like like calling them out um, because I think we have NDAs for these things. Um, but it was a brand that had like such like a they were trying to empower women. They had really good clean products, and they were trying to make um, everyone's like skincare routine a little bit simpler. And yeah, I re I really loved that that yeah. brand. So yes, I, I really uh, like what you're putting out there. I do, I want to go back a little bit, just kind of jumping all over the place at this point, um, to what you were talking about earlier with affiliates um, and even like sponsored content, because I don't know if you and I have talked about this a lot. The role that I'm in right now, I work with a lot of social media influencers and a big part of what we do is sponsored content. And we do work with some, like um, there's a really popular affiliate for like fashion and, and home decor that we uh, work with a lot. And I do sometimes think about how can we go through these avenues that do, you know, make money because I work in house for a company. Like my job is, is to, communicate their message uh, so that they're profitable but how do we also make sure that that is intentional um so before i share my thoughts on that would love to hear your thoughts on how some of these these pr platforms that Im do involve money changing hands can be can be profitable but also honest and intentional i think by one, being very intentional about the influencers that they're going to. And are they, is it a money grab for them? Or is it just that they're posting willy-nilly anything that will pay them? Or is it curated and they're only posting products that they genuinely love? Yeah. Um, because as a consumer, like, people aren't dumb. But <laughs> um, people aren't dumb and they they know when, you know, something is a money grab, you can tell it, it shows up in the way that they are pitching it yes. uh, because it doesn't seem genuine. And so going for someone who is within your demographic of someone who would actually buy your product. Right. No, that is exactly 
kind of where my thoughts were because that well there well first of all for anyone who isn't aware there are actually laws that say I can't pay an editor or a social media influencer or a celebrity to say that they love my product and if that's untrue so if someone mm-hmm. um like let's say I was working for I don't know, like a cosmetics brand and like someone burned their skin with it, they legally could not take my money and then turn around and say, oh my gosh, I love this product. I use it every day. You know, like, so there is, there is that like mechanism for guaranteeing that these things are truthful, but also a big part of what we do. Like when I set up partnerships, uh, almost every person that I would pay or sign up you know, get on board with for an affiliate before they can actually do that. We almost always send them products first to try. And usually they'll share them with their audience, especially like influencers on social media and kind of gauge their reaction organically. And then they'll come back to us and say, oh, people really like this. I'd love to talk more about it. And that's kind of where we found this balance of, okay, like you are, you know, if, if, if being an, uh, like an influencer is your career and, and this is, how you're making money, like you do deserve to be paid for your work, but we also want to make sure that we're being transparent and that we're not, like you said, just going after a money grab. We want to make sure that that we're going, uh, telling a story that is truthful and that people actually want to hear. So I love how you worded that. And uh, yeah, well, and I think it can be surprising too what what moves the needle as far as social media. I recently had a placement for one of my clients because I will do some light influencer for clients as well, mm-hmm. um, that they posted something. And this person has over 900,000 followers. Mm-hmm. And we received very, very little actually movement from that. And then within like 12 hours of the same social media campaign, another influencer posted a like detailed Instagram story about what they love about that product and they had half the following, so about 400,000 followers. And we got so much from that one. So mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily like having a huge following doesn't make a difference if the content isn't there. Yeah. That's... And like a genuine love for the product. Like if you're just taking a picture and putting a tag, like it doesn't move the needle. Yeah, that is such a good point. And I think the same is true too for a you know like a a PR place a traditional PR placement like in the media if an outlet chooses to like accept payment or even not but they choose to like cover something that is untrue you know kind of going back to the example earlier of this like this cosmetics product was like burning people's skin and they were like oh but they have some money like we're just going to talk about it anyway that's either one not going to convert at all because people are going to know to, to avoid those kinds of products or people are going to try it and then they're going to organically use their influence to say on their social media platforms and online reviews and things like that like don't use this product this is this is not right you know um so I think that's a really good um example of how PR you know it, it has to be authentic and it has to be something that people want to talk about and we are kind of just the mediums that help get the information to the people that can talk about it. Right, exactly. 
Um, so I can't believe that we are coming up on the end of our time together, but there are a few questions I wanted to get to you, uh, before we, we close out our conversation today. So the first one is if, if you were talking to someone who either wanted to start, uh, getting PR for maybe their brand, like they're starting a small business, or maybe it's an up and coming personality who wants to do some publicity. Um, what would your advice to that, that person be? So if it was for a brand, I would say to make sure that the first thing you do is to sign up for an affiliate network. Um, because mm -hmm. the way that the media is going, it is very, very, very difficult to get brand placement without being a part of an affiliate network. Mm -hmm. Definitely my first piece of advice. And actually that's something that I tell all of my clients that are starting now is I won't start with them until their affiliate is set up. Oh, wow. Um, so when we were kind of laying out our plan to start working together, I, cause usually, you know, it'll be like we're starting in a month or in a week from the time that, we're talking. So I'll give them a checklist of things to get done before we can start. And the first thing on there is getting an affiliate network set up. Yeah, that's such good advice, actually. And for those who don't know, do you want to just kind of briefly explain like what an affiliate program is? Yeah, so it is basically any time that you go on to a online media site and you buy a product from that, or not buy a product. So say, say an outlet puts up a story of the best red lipsticks and you see a lipstick and you say, oh, I love that lipstick. And so you go and click on it and then you make a purchase from it. Then there would be a, a link that would be specifically from that site, the original media site you went to, that is unique to them. And they're able to track that and any sales that come from that. So the media site would then get a very small percentage of the profit of that sale. So usually that's between like seven and 15%. Um, and honestly, what I'm noticing is the bigger players who are big companies are able to give a bigger cut of their um, sales are getting more placements. Yeah, it's true. I think a lot of people worry about affiliates because you know again legally there has to be a disclaimer um when an affiliate is used and so usually at like the bottom of a story you'll see links in this article are commissionable mm -hmm. um you know that kind of thing and i think a lot of people worry that at that point they're just consuming an ad but what's uh important to know about affiliates is that it doesn't work like a normal you know like advertisement where I pay an outlet a few thousand dollars and they make sure that it gets in front of their audience one time. Instead, they're organically including products that they think will resonate with their audience. And they're only making money if people actually do choose to click on that link and then purchase the product because they think it'll be good for them. So it is still something where the editors are and also influencers use them too so so both could be um could be using one but they have to really think would this resonate with my audience otherwise it's not worth me setting up with their affiliate because i'm not gonna you know no one's going to to <laughs> click on it anyway right um, so i still curated yes i actually recently 
um, included in a pitch that's one of my clients was performing really well on an affiliate link. Mm-hmm. Um, because recently one of my clients let me know that they were included in a story in a top outlet and within 24 hours that link had generated more than a hundred sales. Yeah. And that is valuable. <laughs> like for the magazine to know, like this is a way to make money letting them know in my pitch, like, Hey, we are seeing that this is a search for and interesting product that people are purchasing. It would work in your favor to post about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like mutually beneficial for everyone. Right. Um, okay. So moving away from affiliates, my second question that I wanted to get to you a lot of people talk about how traditional media is being replaced maybe by social media. So what are your thoughts on the direction of how social media and public relations um, are going to, to intersect and, and interact together over the next few years? I wish I knew. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we're seeing it sometimes right now in media sites doing things like having their own TikTok account Um, and the space between influencer and media being a little bit blurry. Uh, I also think that what I was saying earlier about if you're on social media, you are a member of the media. Mm -hmm. Where that gets tricky right now is you don't have the same training and ethics as you might have if you were a trained journalist. Right. And so people, the sharing right now is a little bit confusing for people to be able to decipher what is fact and what is opinion. I don't really know where things will be like in five years. I think kind of what we were talking about a second ago, a big shift in the media and how it is changing is those affiliate links because Mm -hmm. to a degree print is, I don't want to say dying, but it's definitely less successful than it used to be. Right. Um, And sort of the answer to that has and the response to it has been those affiliate links as a way to, to monetize. Mm -hmm. It's really true. And I think that a lot of what we do and what we know in PR is is telling your client's story. Um, Again, whether that's a personality, a company, a brand, um, even like hospitals have PR teams and politicians and the government. And they're just, they're telling stories. So I think a lot of the, the work of publicists working with the media also converts to knowing how to work with the public and maybe, um, help social media platforms um to to get the word out and to to engage with their audience yeah i'd agree my last question for you um if there was someone who was feeling inspired to to join the public relations industry and become a publicist would you have any advice for them Internships, definitely do internships. You will learn way, 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 way more by being in person and actually doing the job than I can ever imagine learning in a classroom. 100%. Also, 
the day-to-day of PR, I think probably looks very different than it does in like a rom-com. Oh yeah. So there are like those, I think people can sometimes think that PR is a really glamorous job and there are very glamorous moments. There are also moments of just craziness, like of (laughs) the opposite of glamour of, you know, being in basements in New York, like pushing racks of clothing where I don't know how that became my job description, but that's what I'm doing (laughs) right now. (laughs) So So, yeah, I would say doing internships and doing the grunt work. I also think to really um, kind of investigate yourself and do some work within who you are of like, do you, who are you in your regular life? Are you someone who easily makes friends? Are you someone who relates to people easily? Because if you do, that'll serve you well in PR. If that is difficult for you, that's continue going to continue to feel really difficult. Yeah, that's so true. I get so I'm someone who is a lot more introverted than than extroverted. And (laughs) I do struggle, I feel like a lot in PR with um, some of the it is like you said, it's just a very interpersonal um, industry and a very interpersonal career. Uh, but I do think also that there is a place for the introvert. For yeah. example, I would say a publicist probably spends about 90% of their job uh, emailing people. And I can email someone all day. <laughs> uh, yeah. People have no idea how much we actually do email like that is a desk job more or less it's such a well I say that I think at first like entry level like I did a lot with product and you were mentioning like internships like internships assistants uh even like coordinators a lot of the time you work a lot with products or um you know if you have like a a you're doing talent PR and trying to get someone in front of the press. Like you might spend a lot of time working on their travel or getting to know them. And then I do feel like just as you get um, further in your career and, and do it a little bit longer and know your clients, you do end up just at your desk and that's where we work best, I guess. (laughs) Um, Well, and also I think tact is, incredibly important within that because you can be thinking about someone we used to work with you can be incredibly outgoing and have horrible tact yeah and when your job is to manage public persona if you are not a tactful person it's going to go horribly I actually I think about there's a quote from Winston Churchill that I love that I think is so appropriate for PR and if I think if I ever have like a actual office that's not in my mm-hmm. house and <laughs> I put this up on the wall, uh, but <laughs> it's tact is the ability to tell someone to go to hell in such a way that makes them look forward to the trip. <laughs> I've never heard that. Oh, I think about it often because just in PR, there are so many situations where you are delivering terrible news but oh. you're like how do i make this sound not so bad yeah so yeah tact is the ability to tell someone to go to hell and make them look forward to the trip yeah I, <laughs> that's a that's a very good point i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna put that on instagram and 
I don't know if you're familiar, like how much you watch The Office, but there's a very famous scene where Michael Scott has written, I can't remember whose quote it was, but someone, it's like Wayne Gretzky's quote or something on his whiteboard. And he like writes out the quote and then puts a little dash Wayne Gretzky. And then below that puts dash Michael Scott. So I think I'm going <laughs> to write out this quote on social media, dash Winston Churchill, dash Emily Getke. <laughs> perfect. You know, me and Winston just chilling together. Yeah, perfect. Well, Emily, I have really appreciated your time and your insights into this industry. And I hope that this episode has become um, a way for people to kind of see what public relations is and to be inspired by some of the good that's happening. Um, And at the very least, just to know that it's not all about spin and, and it's not all bad. So before we go... Is there anything that we missed that you want to talk about or recap anything you're working on, like where people can find you and your company? This is your time. Anything you want to share? Wow. I have the mic. <laughs> you, um, have yeah. the mic. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram. Um, my handle for myself is Emily Getke, which is E-M-I-L-Y-G-A-E-T-K-E. Um, or you can find me at my um, agency's Instagram, which is just at meetcutepr. So meet cute, M-E-E-T, Q-U-T, not Q, gosh, <laughs> C-U-T-E-P-R, no dot com. Everything's getting confusing. <laughs> it's okay. That's at meetcutepr. Correct. <laughs> um, and another time, we're going to talk about where that name came from because I've never actually asked you, but we'll save that. Do you know me. what a meet cute is? No. Oh, Chase. I like we need to like tell this to all the people. Right okay, now. what is a meet cute? So the definition as defined on um, Urban Dictionary, this is what I'm Googling right now, Oh. <laughs> is... Uh, Scenario in which two individuals are brought together in some unlikely, zany, or destined to be together forever sort of way. So, meet cute is traditionally a phrase that is used in um, screenwriting, and it's a moment that two characters meet. And so, my job as a publicist is to introduce people to something. Oh, why did I have? Why have I never heard of this? (laughs) Um, Have you seen The Holiday? No. Oh. If you had seen The Holiday, you would know all about it, Jace. Oh, my gosh. Well, now I have a movie to watch, and, and now I know um, what a meet cute is. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Emily. It was really great to chat with you. Thank you to everyone who has listened. Um, and we've now gotten through five whole episodes, guys. That's a full month. Um, and so I'm really excited to see you all again next month in April uh, for our episode, which will be out next Monday. Uh, if you're not already following us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Life Inspired Pod. And I really hope that today's conversation brought you a little bit of joy and that it helps you to live the life inspired. Thanks so much, Emily. And thank you to everyone who listened.